This is the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Trevor, lest Paul. Paul, how are you doing today? Hey, Trevor. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, excited to be here today and ready to go. Yes, uh, Paul, we are have a special guest today. Uh, someone that you have heard before, but uh, this is the first time you're meeting them kind of in person. This is my brother, my brother, Brian Barrett. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I should say welcome back or, or way to reestablish your, your spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. It's good to be back. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been. So for listeners who aren't aware, Brian and I actually started the Mooks and the Gripes podcast clear back in 2012 and would meet up every month or so to to talk about books and uh, we would pick a book from the nyrb classics catalog sometimes we would go through like you know what are their forthcoming releases that we're most excited about and i can't remember how long we we did it but it, it got to where it was a little longer between shows a little longer between shows and then you know just kind of we we both got life things taken over. It might have been more me. I think I had another another child and moving house and all of that kind of kind of stuff. So, you know, my apologies, but but here we are again. <laughs> I can't believe it's been ten years. I know, I know. It's 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 a little bit mind blowing and. Well, as a longtime fan of the former iteration, I got to say it's pretty cool to be here with both of you guys. I I listened faithfully all those times that you did it and was understanding but sad when it kind of faded away so <laughs> it's cool to have you both here awesome but yeah it, it, like i say I, I always i often tease people brian that you and i stopped the the podcast and uh i haven't spoken to you ever since you didn't like a month in the country uh, <laughs> <laughs> as much as i did <laughs> that, that uh, really got under my skin <laughs> Tell people it's been really awkward at family gatherings because I've chosen not to talk to you anymore. <laughs> now that 10 years has passed. We're going to try and reconcile though. <laughs> yes. Yes. This should be hopefully a pleasant episode. It might be a little bit feisty, I guess at times. As long as we avoid jail car, I think everything will be fine. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you. And, and of course, Brian and I talk quite often about books and reading still. Um, but it's, you know, today is uh, a special episode. Have you back? And have an opportunity to go over three books with Brian, uh, much like we did in, in an episode when we started last year with Francis Evangelista. Uh, we asked Brian to come on and basically talk to us about three books. We do have a few preliminaries, though, before we get there. Uh, if you can give me just a second, Brian, is that okay? You bet. All right. I just wondered. This is my big brother, so sometimes he might tell me no. That's okay. this. Is what it is. <laughs> Get a virtual noogie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to thank a few uh, new Patreon uh, subscribers, uh, Rebecca Hussey, Susan Dillon, and Mary Mulligan. They now have access to bonus episodes, and they have access to all of the episodes as they come out a few days early on Patreon. Uh, thank you so much uh, to each of you. Um, we, we were going to record another bonus episode today, but uh, circumstances are that that just isn't going to work this weekend, but we'll get back on track and and make sure that we get those bonus episodes coming out very regularly. Uh, but again, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. In other news, we have a book club, a summer book club, and the results. We talked about it in the last episode on summer reading. It went live on Twitter. It was in our newsletter. 
we had four books for listeners to vote on, as which would be the the summer book club. Here's the results, Paul. This was as close as I think a, a vote can really get, except for one amazed. book, mm-hmm. um, which probably broke your heart a little bit. A little bit. I mean, I, as we said, we were we would be unhappy if any of these lost, and happy if any of them won. Uh, but yes, William Trevor's The Children of Dinmouth got only fourteen point five percent of the vote, and that that's a little bit farther behind the others than than was you know maybe maybe strictly necessary, folks. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in third place, uh, it starts getting much closer. This is uh, uh, Borges's Ficciones uh, got twenty six point seven percent of the vote. And then second place was Speedboat, Renata Adler's Speedboat, with 27.8% of the vote. For, so really just a handful of votes uh, separating yeah. those two books. But our winner, with 31% of the vote, is Willa Cather's A Lost Lady. And I don't know how much uh, you know Twitter folks and their powers of influence had to do with any of these things. A Lost Lady was in second or third place at the beginning, and then mm-hmm. something happened. And yes. it just took off and uh, never relinquished that lead, even though all three of those books kept getting steady votes. Yeah, there was a grassroots movement to kind of push <laughs> it up, and it really worked. It was fun, though, to see different people voting and trying to raise votes for the other ones. So thanks, everybody, for participating. And it sounds like we have lots of people on board for the winner. A lot of people are excited about Willa Cather, so it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm excited, too. I pulled it out. It's a short book. I didn't realize mm-hmm. how short it was, uh, but... We will be getting with you on a schedule. We're, Paul and I need to sit down and, and figure that out. Um, it's not even really summer yet. You know, we're recording this on June 11th. It feels like summer, but it's still spring uh, officially by the calendar. So we'll we'll get this um, a, a calendar figured out um, and how best we can get input and all of that. We'll announce that on a, on our next episode. Or and and in other places too, like the newsletter and Twitter and such. So, yeah. All right. Anything else preliminary before we we get back to to Brian? I don't think so. I think it's time to roll out the red carpet. I'm excited. All right. Well, Brian. Yes. So I figure before we get into your three books, just I I always like to just know how people got into reading and um, what's going on now. And I will say, I credit you probably with a lot of my own reading. I would, you know, we shared a a bedroom growing up and I just always would come home or be going to bed and you'd sit there and read while I fell asleep. And you'd, you know, go to the, the local tiny, tiny library and you would confuse the librarians for asking for it. (laughs) uh, what what do you want i want the book it but which book (laughs) (laughs) who's on first (laughs) and um you know you probably got me reading stephen king when i was way too young um to to really do that but i appreciate that too it was not a bad thing in my life uh but yeah just tell us a little bit about what reading means to you and uh, books in general now that's that's kind of funny because that's actually where I wanted to start was you know what you know what, what my history was with with reading the first things I remember reading it would be in grade school and that little library that you're talking about had a, a collection of books that were probably 
I don't know if they were from the 30s, 40s. I, I don't know. They, they were old by the time I was reading them in the 70s when I was in grade school. And they were uh, biographies about early American statesmen, uh, inventors, you know, the, the, the George Washingtons, the Eli Whitney's, you know, th- those kind of uh, uh, people. There was one on Betsy Ross, you know, the, the classical, what you would think of as the, the statesman. And I don't know why I was reading those as a, as a kid in grade school, but I loved them. Uh, I, I read all of them. And then uh, a little later on, you know, one of the first books I'd read too was Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Uh, and that was probably my first introduction to what would kind of be called fantasy. Uh, and, and I really, really enjoyed that. I think I read it a couple of times when I was in grade school. And then I, I distinctly remember this one in fifth grade. We read an excerpt from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, and it blew me away. That was what I would say was my real introduction into that realm of kind of fantasy world, and, and that got me started because fantasy back then was closely tied with science fiction and horror, and that's what I spent most of my time reading when, when I was younger, and uh, that's probably where Trevor picked up Stephen King, like he said. Uh, I read a lot of Stephen King back then. I put Stephen King away for a long time, and then maybe 10 years ago kind of picked him back up again, and, and, and it, I enjoyed both both times uh, reading him. Um, I've always enjoyed reading a wide variety of books. Uh, so when, when, I, when I talk about, I can't say my three favorite books because I, I just don't have a three favorite books, but I can talk about three books that I really, really enjoyed. And when we get to that, I'll, I'll choose them out of different uh, areas, different genres, if you will. One of my memories, too, that was really cool. Trevor, you might remember this. I was reading uh, Paul Wilson's uh, The Keep. Um, do you remember this, Trevor? Yeah, I, even when you said you might remember this, I like I, I know what he's talking yeah, about. It's so cool. The, the beginning of every chapter, it gives a date and a time. And for the year it's taking place in is during World War II. But the date, it gives a date, a time, and a year. And I remember flipping the page, last page of one chapter and getting to the first page of another chapter. And, and it gave a date. And I, I don't remember the date. It might have been like January 3rd at uh, 12, 15 a.m. And I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's weird because it's, it's, it's after midnight here. And, and I looked at my clock and it was 12.15. And I thought, oh, man, we just missed the date. But the date had rolled. And it was, it was the exact date and time of uh, on the chapter is what I was reading. And it just sent a chill down my spine. So to get the little chill down my spine on top of reading the horror book was, was just a really, really cool experience. I loved it. That, that is cool. And I think <laughs> I, I remember you talking about that. And I had something similar. I'd be curious if Paul did. I was reading... Uh, Norman Mailer's The Executioner's Song about Gary Gilmore. And at the time when I was reading it, I was living, I can't remember if I was living in Provo, Utah, or maybe even a little bit in in Salem, Utah. But that's where these murders took place, Spanish Fork, Provo. And I was getting my car fixed. And, you know, Norman Mailer's writing what he thinks of as uh, journalism in, in a way. And a similar thing, he's writing about a specific address. And I turn, you know, I kind of look around and I'm like, holy cow, 
it wasn't a car repair place at the time, but that's where I'm at. I'm at that corner. I might not have been on the exact like lot or whatever, but it was, it, you know, maybe not quite as cool as yours, but I thought of you at that time. Have you ever had anything like that, Paul? I was trying to think. I don't know if I've had anything quite like that. That's pretty cool stories. I mean, this is not nearly the same, but like I said, the time when I was listening to Wolf and White Van, when we were driving across the country and it started taking place in, in all these rural parts of Kansas and it's all this creepy kind of unsettling stuff. And I look around as I'm driving and that's exactly where I was. I mean, it's not anywhere near as precise as you guys' memories, but that was definitely one of my coolest reading experiences where that synchronicity kind of happens when you don't expect it to. It kind of gives you the chills a little bit. That's kind of cool how books, you know, they, they delight us in so many ways, but mm-hmm. the, even these unexpected magical ways you start to feel like maybe I'm in a book or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but and, and, what, what else have you got for us with that, Brian? And Paul, you should feel free to jump in with any particular questions too. I kind of want to give you guys a chance to to chat and uh, we'll get to your three books here in just a second. I'm curious as to what got Paul started, his early memories of reading and, and, and what got him going. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been a family wide love of reading, which it sounds like to some degree might be the same as you guys. Um, so yeah, I come from a family of lots of readers and teachers and things like that. So books were just always around people were just always reading. And so I think a lot of it was that imprinting, you know, and then of course my, my parents read to me a lot, but I've talked a little bit about it with, with Trevor in the past, but you, you mentioned C.S. Lewis, that was definitely one for me. And then J.R.R. Tolkien for me was probably oh, yeah. even a bigger one with yeah. The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings was just creating this whole world in my head where, you know, we would be driving through the Colorado mountains and I would be kind of daydreaming out the window and picturing elves and hobbits out in the forest, you know, that kind of thing. So that was definitely a big part. And then from there, you know, I had a lot of time where I enjoyed fantasy and then I made kind of the same transition. It sounds like you made where, and probably a lot of people make where Stephen King is a little bit of that next step that you take. And like Trevor, I ended up reading him way too young. Um, (laughs) I remember reading it again, you know, just like you mentioned and getting to the point where there's a certain scene that takes place in a bathtub where somebody has, you know, uh, written the word it in blood on the side of the the bathtub wall. And I remember reading that and kind of like on friends where Joey puts the book in the freezer, you know, cause it's too scary. That's kind of the moment for me where I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of that forbidden like excitement that you have when you're reading a book when you're too young and it kind of builds that, that love of, you know, it's not just this boring safe thing. There's all these exciting, you know, forbidden worlds out there. So yeah, I mean, that was a big part of it. And then that evolved into Trevor and I were on um, Palimpsest which was a fun book forum, you know, 10 or 15 years ago that we talk about a lot. And I would say that's kind of, if I had to divide it into maybe three sections, that's kind of where I started to get introduced to a lot of, I guess, what you would call literary fiction and more of translated fiction and and, and NYRB and the stuff that you guys like to talk about. So, you know, if I had to break it down very simply, that would be kind of the way it's it's gone for me. So Nice. But yeah. Brian, you'd, you'll have to listen to our episode where we talk about our fantasy youth. You'll you'll recognize yeah. so much of, of just... I mean, it must have just been a time period thing too. But Paul talking about his waterbed and having the bookshelves behind that you <laughs> don't put mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Lots of Walden books and B. Dalton and all those, you know, going in there and looking through all the Dragonlance Chronicles and yeah. all that stuff. And, and it's mm-hmm. interesting because a lot of the books would be the same because our access to books were limited. You know, you yeah. what was published and and fed up to you in those types of bookstores. 
yeah, I remember going to the bookstores and just staring at the wall, just, oh man, which one, which one, which one? It was, it was fun. I know. And I'd go up to the person at Walden Books and ask her, you know, like, what's the latest one from R.A. Salvatore or somebody coming uh, out? And that would be the only way you could kind of get some idea, or at least the only way I knew of where she would say, you know, well, oh, looks like we might have one coming out next year, you know, and then you just have to sit there and check back in. <laughs> Dark Elf. Yeah, exactly. I love those. I did too. It is fun to just chat about these things, you know, Be- beyond getting into specific books. Um, that's one of the reasons that I've always just enjoyed the, you know, the podcast, podcasting with you two in particular is this is a conversation I think we'd have if we just sat together and, and enjoyed a meal or something like that. It's just, mm-hmm. just a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. But You know, one of the uh, genres I did not pick from, but I want to give... Uh, mentioned to because it, it means so much to me it's just what i would consider the classics you know and, and, and when i think of that I, th- I think of like uh dickinson um i, I love Mo- moby dick uh les miserables uh, the hunchback of notre dame kidnapped you know all these authors uh treasure island i remember reading i actually don't remember if it was kidnapped or treasure island it might have even been the sequel to kidnapped but I remember reading one chapter from that and getting done with that chapter and thinking that's probably the most perfect chapter I've ever read. Mm. It's just, just beautiful, fantastic. And, and one of my favorites back then too, is of course the Count of Monte Cristo. And I, I just really, really enjoy those that I would consider the classics. And there are others that I have not enjoyed. You know, I, I did uh, war and peace not too long ago and trudged my way through it. There were some good parts, but Oh my gosh, that's, that was too much for me. And, and, and I love a long book. If it's a good book, the longer, the better, but that one was, that one's too long. <laughs> there are a handful like that, that I did not enjoy, but I, I do love to go back to the classics and, and uh, catch up on them periodically as well. Yeah. It feels like when we talk, you usually have one of those in your back pocket that you're either about to read or reading. And I've tried to anticipate, you know, what are Brian's three books going to be? Can, can I do it? And I thought, I thought Count of Monte Cristo might be one of them. So, but I'm glad you still brought it up. It's an honorable mention. There you go. (laughs) Any other honorable mentions you want to talk about before we get to your, your books? No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. But I am curious. Uh, The classics, like, like I've described, uh, I I know, I think you and I read Moby Dick about the same time, Trevor. And then I believe you liked it. Uh, do you have an affinity at all for the for what I'm terming as the classics, Brian's definition? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Moby Dick may, if I had to pick a favorite book of all time, that may be it, actually. Nice. I mean, I, I talk about getting blown away by a book and just amazed because one of the things I like about Moby Dick is it's a classic which some people might in their mind think of as dusty and old fashioned. And when I read that book, I could not believe how modern it felt and how many things it was doing that you see experimental authors of today doing that they get so much credit for and Melville was you know trying some of this stuff back then so yeah absolutely and Trevor and I have both talked about like I have a, a huge love of Dickens too as far as a comfort read and also just you know some something to sink into and just enjoy for a whole season you know often if it's David Copperfield or one of the big ones so yeah classics are definitely one that I go back to all the time awesome yeah, yeah Paul Paul got me back into Dickens actually uh-huh. and reading more of, of his works again kind of going yeah. back when I thought maybe I'll never read another Charles Dickens book mm-hmm. um, I've enjoyed getting back into that that world yeah. so 
So yeah, Paul's also one of those who often has uh, a, a classic or two that he's lining up. The Brothers Karamazov is coming mm-hmm. up, right? It is. Yep. I'm trying to debate when I want to start it, but it'll definitely be before the end of the year. I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Get back into the Russians for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, my apologies. I, I have a short schedule today. Um, my my wife's out of town and I've got to take my kids to piano lessons this morning. She apologized when she realized she wasn't going to be here. They never have piano lessons on Saturday morning like this, but uh, this is the one. So I do yeah, want no to problem. make sure that we get to, to you, Brian, um, and your books sooner than later. But we'll have to do this again because I can already tell this we have a lot more to to talk about and catch up on. But why don't you give us your first book you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I will do that. First of all, I want to preface it with uh, you know why I read and probably why I read a wide variety of genres, which I'm sure you guys do as well. Um, I, I read for two reasons. Number one, to learn. I, I am inquisitive by nature, so I, I love to learn new things. But number two, and carries the same amount of weight, is just for the sheer joy of reading, the, the joy of getting to go somewhere else while sitting on the couch, uh, exploring new worlds, uh, new concepts. Uh, I remember... And, and I'm gonna, I'm going to forget the quote, but someone asked Kingsley Amos why he reads. If I think they asked him if he reads for for joy, and his response was something like, "Well, duh." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I and, think what you're talking, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, is John Williams, the when he, you know the writer of Stoner and Butcher's Crossing and Augustus, which we talked about all three of those on the fantastic. old podcast. I think he said, "Do you read for pleasure?" And he said, "Yes, to read for any other reason is stupid." Or something along those lines, you know, much more yeah. blunt even. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Kingsley Amos had one something too, something mm-hmm. very similar. But the answer is, yeah, duh, of course I read for pleasure, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, the ones I want to talk about, uh, I read uh, a, uh, in, in my profession, uh, there's a lot of uh, working on yourself. I, I don't want to call it self-improvement, but you read a lot of uh, leadership books and you do read a lot of what could be called self-help books. But I read one a, a year or two ago. It's called Solve for Happy. And the author is Mo, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Gadat, G-A-W-D-A-T. Mo is M-O. And it, it's a, a fascinating read because he's extremely successful in life. As I recall, he was pretty high up in Google, making just tons and tons of money, yet feeling very, very unhappy with his life. And uh, I remember one specific thing in the book is, as he was searching for happiness, he thought, well, a Rolls Royce would make me happy. And so on a whim one night online, he bought two vintage Rolls Royces, thinking this, this is the key. This is it for me. And of course, it didn't bring him happiness. And then he had a, a really, really tragic event take place in his life that, that rocked his world. And through that event, he figured out kind of an equation for him. That's why it's called solve for happy on how to become happy. And he turned this tragic event into a way for him to ultimately become happy and and have peace with life. And to me, it it just really spoke to me. A lot of times when I read a book like that, it reminds me of things that I already know. It's like, oh yeah, that's a good reminder to to think positively or, or whatever the case might be. But he goes into some concepts that I haven't really contemplated before and thoroughly enjoyed the book. I, I don't recommend books to people very often. 
self-help books, I should say. I'll, I'll recommend other books because to me, it's like, here, Trevor, you need to read this book. You've got uh, some. Thanks, Brian. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've had that happen to me and I'm like, ah, oh, great. Thank you. But uh-huh. this is one that I gifted to my children with, with no pressure saying this book, you know, made me rethink some things about my life. You might enjoy it as well. In particular, it talks about how the brain works and, and just very, very fascinating. It touches on a little bit of spiritual things, if you will, um, uh, a little bit of theology. I, I believe he was a, and I can't remember if he's a Christian or not. Uh, so I certainly don't remember what religion he might have belonged to, but I do remember that he believed in an afterlife. And that was a little bit of the, the some of how he was solving for happy. But that's one that I, what I, uh, always think back as, as one of my favorites anyway. Interesting. I've, you've never talked to me about that. Do, do I not need it? I suppose. Yeah. I figured <laughs> this guy I know. <laughs> I've solved for you're already on a Friday night. You're online, you know, shopping for vintage Rolls Royces anyway. So you don't need right. me. Right. You're waiting for that, 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 that thing to happen to me. <laughs> and then you'll be like, Trevor, I've, I've seen this happen before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, that that's cool and unexpected. That's certainly not one that I would have thought you were going to talk about because I I don't even know that one. But yeah, that, that... I, I didn't think we'd talked about it. And again, it's it's an area where I read a lot, and uh, it's it's the one that's saying to me the most in the last uh, several years in that in that area. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you have to tell me if you guessed this second one. I, I mentioned biographies that I read as a kid, and I continue to enjoy biographies in a, as an adult. And my favorite biographer would be Walter Isaacson. Uh, he's written a number of them, and I, I think I've read all of them, but Kissinger, and I still need to read that one. Uh, I loved uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, he wrote one recently called The Code Breakers, where they're talking about CRISPR and, and editing DNA just as you would edit a, a computer program. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. But the one that I really liked the most was Leonardo da Vinci that he put out a few years ago. Um, the, I, I have a, a special place in my heart for history and for art. And I've, I've traveled to Europe a, a handful of times and, and gone into the museums and, and have kind of studied da Vinci a little bit on my own and to have Isaacson write a book about da Vinci and to use special paper and, and include a lot of the artwork in the book was just a, a real treat. I was sad when that book was over. And I, and I loved Da Vinci because of the way his mind worked. I mean, he, he was all over the place, you know, and, and, and why, why does this work? Uh, sculptor, uh, building, inventing, uh, uh, painting, uh, you name it. Uh, he was involved in it. You know, he would spend time just staring at water, watching the water swirl and trying to figure out what made it do that. And then he would draw that and write about it. Just absolutely fascinating book. Yeah, he has a fascinating mind. It's funny you mentioned him because last night, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, that PBS show called Nova. Oh, yeah. It, it comes out, yeah. It, it, every, you know, every week they come up with a different topic. And the one my wife and I were watching last night was actually all about Da Vinci. And they were doing x-ray photos of the Mona Lisa and some of his other paintings and talking about how he painted unlike any other painter and just how different his mind was. And then they were also showing a lot of his journals where he would make all those amazing illustrations mixed in. And they were talking about how he, in addition to being an artist, like you said, and all these other things, he had like invented a tank clear back then for the 
and then like uh, almost like a self-driving car that was like half robot and all these bridges that were just like groundbreaking at the time. So yeah, talk about a fascinating person. It's really cool. You mentioned that. And my, my son's girlfriend is living in Italy right now. And she just sent a bunch of pictures. She, she lives in uh, near Milan and she went to the Leonardo da Vinci museum. And so it's got his papers. It's got a lot of his, his uh, drawings, you know, like, like the tank and the, the flying machines mm-hmm. where they've created them. And, and it's even got the, uh, the museum. It, it's where the, the Last Supper is at. And mm. so she sent pictures out. Just, I was so jealous. You've so, never yeah. been to Milan, huh? I, I, have been to Milan. I, have, I have not either, but I guess I thought you would have, uh, in one of your trips, just uh, no, going to take a day and drive to Milan or something. You know, <laughs> and here's a, an interesting, my, my, I've always loved art in particular, the, the Renaissance art. I, I love that period. And uh, my wife and I were in uh, visiting Italy a few years back, and we were in Florence. And uh, my wife has always been, well, like, what do you, why do you have to see it? You know, you can look it up online. You know, it's, it's the same thing. And we've had this discussion many, many times, not only with art, but with, with, with a place, with a location. You know, you can look it up online and watch a video of it. And we walked into the museum and, and there was Michelangelo's The David, you know, the, the real one. And she stood there and looked at it for like 30 seconds without saying a thing. And then she turned and looked at me and said, I get it. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and that meant a lot to me. Uh-huh. So. You're, you're not just dragging her around and no. <laughs> an, an unwilling companion. <laughs> yeah. To have her say, Oh, I get it. That, that meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Have, have either of you read Isaacson? I would assume some, a little bit, maybe. I actually not have yet. not. No, yeah, you you would enjoy it. I'm I'm sure. I think you would too, Paul. I've read a few of them. I've read the the Steve Jobs one, and I did read the Einstein, the Einstein book. Oh, Einstein was fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually thought that might be one that you chose because we yeah. we talked about that one several that times. One. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I I gave my copy of Da Vinci to Dad. Oh, <laughs> big mistake! Before I read it, and uh, <laughs> does that so mean I'll never it. get it back? No, he would, he would, I think I, I actually think I gave it to him as a gift because it, it came, mm. you know, I'd ordered, I think I pre-ordered that one and I didn't realize how deluxe it was going to be as far oh. as the, you know, the way that they produced the book. And when it came, I thought, I actually want to give this to my dad and I'll just mm-hmm. get another copy. And I haven't, I actually haven't done that yet. So I have not read the, the Da Vinci one, but I did, I do like his stuff. Yeah. It's a work of art in and of itself. It's, it's gorgeous. Well, I'll, I know we're getting a little bit low on time here. I'll wrap up with uh, Trevor. We'll, we'll guess this one, just uh, Brandon Sanderson. Uh, and I'm going to say the Stormlight Archive. Uh, can't nice. pick one single book. I, I love Trevor and I often talk about Brandon Sanderson. Don't understand how he can put out the content that he does and have it be as diverse and as interesting and as, as logical as it is. You know, he, he, he'll describe his magic systems using physics and logic and when you get done reading you think oh that should work <laughs> i should be able to, <laughs> I should be able to do that <laughs> well, i really love the stormlight archive uh the first five uh the fifth one is, is is it later this year is it coming out no he's he's writing that one now so it's it's planned for 2023 depending on how he finishes it up it may slip it's, into 2024 it's, it's later this year that's right but i love I love the themes in them. I, I particularly like Oathbringer. 
the the character in Oathbringer was a cruel individual, and to me that it was all about redemption, and 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 I loved it. Just a fantastic read. Well, Paul, this is actually a Brandon Sanderson intervention. Um, Brian and I put this together. We, we, we finally got you to read Agatha Christie a few weeks ago. It's now, you know, w- what's it going to take to get you to change your life around for the better? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I, know. I feel like I might've been led into a bit of a trap here. <laughs> no, I, I bring up Brandon Sanderson quite often on the podcast. Probably every listener is like, I came for the other content. I know who Brandon Sanderson is. And I know some have tried him and have liked him of our listeners. And I know some have tried him and have not liked him, um, which I, you know, totally get. It actually took me a few tries before I was like, wait a minute. I think I'm on the right wavelength right now. Um, but yeah, very much a, a fan as well. And can't wait, can't wait for the the one that comes out in the fall. Um, and for the, the book five of the Stormlight Archive, these, these huge books, but they're, like you say, they're very diverse. They're very rich. There's, there's so much going on. And the thing that I think is, is so impressive is a lot of these are ideas that he's had for decades now. Mm-hmm. And he's so patient in planting the seeds so that he can uh, surprise us at the right moments and have things come together. Um, I'm reading a book that I'm actually enjoying that Jade city that I told you, Paul, I was going to take mm-hmm. on vacation. I didn't finish mm-hmm. it because you know, our vacation got a little crazy and right. so I stopped reading period. But um you know, it's a good book, but the author explains so many things that I'm like, oh, Brandon Sanderson wouldn't have revealed that until book seven. You know, <laughs> <laughs> why are we getting this on page fifty? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you both mentioned that diversity, and I think I've talked about this a little bit. Although I have not read him personally, both of my sons, who are different ages, have both enjoyed his work from the Evil Librarians for the oh. younger one to the older one who started to experiment with some of his more, I don't know if it's YA or maybe some of his earlier uh, just adult fiction, but they've both really appreciated him. So every time you talk about him, I'm like, okay, I got to do it. So <laughs> maybe Brian's extra push will be the one that gets me ready. Which one would you start with Trevor? If you were to read one and you hadn't read one yet. People ask this all the time and I don't know because I started, I, I did start reading Mistborn because people were reading it, but I was a little, not skeptical, but just like, oh, I don't really read fantasy anymore. And so I didn't give it a very good shot and probably got 20 or 30 pages into it before I was like, oh, there's a lot a lot of stuff I don't understand going on here. Uh, this just isn't my thing anymore. Um, but it was when I started the Stormlight Archive, book one, uh, the, the Way of Kings. That's the one that really got me um, invested. Plus, I think it's just, you know, by the time you get to the end of that one, there's, you know, I didn't know what he was capable of doing with revelations and twists and and plot developments and character developments um, until the end of that when I thought, oh, you've been hiding this in plain sight the whole time, mm-hmm. the, these things. And it's really fun because the characters don't know either. It's not a, it didn't feel like a gimmick. It felt like, you know, just beautiful storytelling. So that might be the one that I would recommend, even though it's the biggest. But I think that's probably his his best. But that's cool. And Paul, I apologize for bringing Sanderson up. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Actually, I I, I, te- I tease, but actually, it really. I mean, it, me not trying him is not due to lack of interest. Every time that he's brought up, I'm like, why haven't I read him yet? So I got to ask you, Brian. I know 
Brandon Sanderson earlier this year did like a crowdsourcing thing. And I think Trevor might've signed over the deed to his house for the next book. Um, did you end up donating to anything or did you get, are you excited about those new books? I, I, out? I'm thrilled about it. Yeah. I, uh, I signed up at the highest level I possibly could. Nice. Uh, and for two reasons, number one, I'm, I'm really, really excited about what he writes. I, I read mostly everything he puts out. Uh, I love what he does, but also it was my way of saying, I like what you do. I'm going to support yeah. you. So it yeah. was, it was a vote cast in, in with my money as well. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he raised $45 million. Yeah. Oh, cow. If it weren't for your support, he would have been very discouraged. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. But I, but I get it too. It's like, Hey, you know what? You, you, I, I'm invested. It, it's, I want to be able to show that I am and not just, you yeah. know, but, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of like when I go to an author signing and, and you buy not only the book that they're there for, if it's one you love, but you try to buy as many of their backlist as you don't have. And like, yeah. you know, you're in, you're in line waiting to have them sign them and everything. And it's, it's not exactly just to get the sign, the autograph, but it's also just to kind of show them yeah. how much you appreciate everything they do. Cause I think being a, an author has to be a pretty lonely, thankless job at times. So I definitely get that, you know, just a chance, however small to show them how much they mean to you is important. So agreed. Yeah. Oh, well, fellas, I could keep going for uh, a lot longer. Um, I'm actually enjoying Brian's outside. You can probably hear birds singing, you know, in the background oh, every once in a while. Which is, yeah, it's very no, peaceful. Not, not distracting. I think it adds, it's additive to the to mm-hmm. the, the flavor of the, of the show. So I'm having a very pleasant morning, but I do have to get those boys to their piano lessons. And so unfortunately need to need to wrap it up, but Brian, thanks so much for coming on. I'm, I'm glad you were, you know, willing. I, not that I thought you wouldn't be, but um, I've been looking forward to this and I didn't want to presume that, that you would or, or anything like that, but um, uh, it, it has been fun and we definitely need to, to get you back soon. I would enjoy that. It's been a pleasure and it's, it's nice to finally meet you, Paul, and put a face to the name. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The same thing. Like I said, I've been a fan of both of you guys for a long time, so it's really cool to be able to chat with both of you. Thank you. All right. Well, listeners, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We have a, another special guest actually joining us um, to talk another publisher, and uh, that should be a lot of fun. Um, in our newsletter, we talk a little bit about who that is and, and what's going on there. Um, I'm not trying to tease, but I'm running out of time, so we'll talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. You can follow the Mooks and the Gripes and get show notes and book and film reviews at mooksandgripes.com. On Twitter, you can find Trevor at Mooks and Paul at BiblioPaul. You can also get information about future shows on our Patreon. If you'd like to donate to the show, anything and everything, even a dollar a month, helps and is deeply appreciated. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash mooks. Until next time.